Yo, today's QOD is you can't control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Larry Elder on the show, closing out our week. Today, Larry's going to share a very moving story about his father and what his father had to go through in order to create success in his life. And it's just, I don't know, the story just kind of says it all about, you know, even when there are obstacles, even when there are hurdles, those hurdles are not insurmountable. Like you can overcome like whatever needs to be overcome as long as you're willing to do the hard work and to commit and to make the sacrifices. And when you live by those principles that Larry's going to talk about today, you cannot help but have a happy and successful life and create whatever it is that you want to create. Larry Elder's coming up. When I was growing up, I have two brothers. Older brother, younger brother, I'm in the middle. And I could not stand my father. I could not stand the son of a bitch. Always mad, always surly, and never mad about the same thing. So he couldn't quite figure out what he was mad about. When my dad would come home, if we would have toys on the floor, my dad would kick the toys out of the way. Now these are, so he's buying gifts, and because he's mad that they're on the floor, he'd kick them. And sometimes so hard they would ruin them. It, he just seemed irrational to me like this volcano of anger, and I did not get it. I wonder why he had kids. And when my dad, when I was about 10 years old, my dad started a restaurant. He saved up his nickels and dimes and started a little cafe in the Pico Union area. So all of us worked for him. My brothers and I worked for him. Nobody liked working for him because he'd get mad and start screaming at you. It's a little diner. It's not even as big as this room and 15 stools. So when my dad would yell at you, everybody in the restaurant could hear it and it was embarrassing. And I'd like to say I had enough cashews to say the next time my dad yelled at me, I was going to have it out with him. But I said to myself, next time he yells at me, I'm going to leave. And I did. The, the waitress called in sick that day. So there was a restaurant full of people, just my dad and me, and I walked out. My dad was pissed. And he came home. He paid me $10 a day plus tips. He had the $10. He balled it up at me. I was laying on my bed. And he said, why did you leave? And I said, I got tired of the way you spoke to me. And my dad turned around and walked out. And I did not speak to him for 10 years. When I say did not speak to him, I mean didn't speak to him. I, I mean, not even how about those rams? Do you think it's going to rain? We did not talk. I was able to graduate from high school. I went to college in the East Coast and law school in the Midwest and then worked in the Midwest. So I never talked to him for 10 years. I would call the house. My mom would answer the phone. I talked to her. I would never talk to him for 10 years. So I'm beginning to have a little difficulty sleeping. And I don't know why, but I'm beginning to think it probably has something to do with some sort of unresolved issue with my dad. I don't know. So I called my secretary and I said, cancel all my appointments. I'm going to L.A. When I visited L.A. normally, I would call my mother and she'd meet me at the airport. But I didn't want anybody to know I was coming because I wanted to catch my dad cold. So I walked in, took a cab to the, to, uh, the restaurant, walked in, 1.30. They closed at 2.30. I had both my bags. I walk in. My dad was stunned. And I said, I want to talk to you. He goes, fine. Wait till we close. We closed in about an hour. 
Shall I put your bags in the back? I said, no, Dad, I'm only going to be here for about five or ten minutes. I was going to call him a son of a bitch. I figured he'd call me an ungrateful son. At least we clear the air. So my dad, I'm sitting there for an hour, and I'm saying to myself, all right, Larry, be cool. Don't tee off on him. Just very calmly explain to him why it is you have issues with him. And then he'll respond and tell you that you're ungrateful, and then we could be, that'll, that'll be that. So my dad sat there, and I teed off on him. And you know how I can be. I remembered every whipping, every beating, every, every time he got his, took his belt off and hit me with it, every time he told me to go out in the backyard and get a switch, the time that he uh, hit me with the phone, phone cord, this, that, and the other. I remembered every single thing he ever did. I talked for 20 minutes nonstop. Meanwhile, my dad would, from time to time, pour his coffee, reach over, pour some more coffee, and he took it, and he took it. And when I was done, he said, is that it? I said, yeah. He said, you didn't speak to me for 10 years because of that? I said, yeah. And my dad began telling me about his life. I didn't, I didn't know anything at all about the man's life. There was kind of a no-fly zone over my dad's life. For the first of two times, I saw my dad cry. Second time was when my mom died. It was the first time I ever saw him cry. My dad said, let me tell you about my father. And I found out then at the age of 25 that my last name, Elder, is not the name of my of my dad's biological father. My dad never met his biological father, he told me that. The man Elder was in his life the longest. His mother had a series of boyfriends. She was illiterate. She could neither read nor write, which is why, by the way, my dad doesn't know his birthday. Wasn't born in a hospital, born in the back of a room. And because my grandmother was illiterate, uh, couldn't even write down his birthday. My dad enrolled in school. He's all telling me all this while we're sitting there. That's why the book is called Dear Father, Dear Son, Two Lives, Eight Hours. We talk for eight hours. Every now and then we get up to use the restroom outside of that. We talk for eight hours. And my dad said when he enrolled in school, elementary school, lady said, what's your birthday? He said, I don't know. She wrote down May 25, which was her birthday. That's the birthday that we celebrated. So this man, Elder, was an alcoholic who was physically abusive to his mother, physically abusive to my dad. He was a drunk. Every now and then he would work. And when he would work, he would give her the money because he knew that he would blow it drinking. So come Wednesday, he'd ask for the money. She wouldn't give it to him. He beat the crap out of her. My dad would intervene. He beat the crap out of him. That was Elder. And there was a bunch of other boyfriends in his life. My dad is 13 years old. He comes home from school, begins to quarrel with his mother's then boyfriend. She sides with the boyfriend, throws my father out of the house, never to return. 13 years old, Jim Crow South, Athens, Georgia, beginning of the Great Depression. Talk about a bad hand that you're dealt. And never went back. So my dad just goes down the road and tries to get somebody to, to give him some sort of job. Somebody hires him to clean the yard. Eventually, he's asked to come in and start cooking. He starts cooking. My dad then applies for a job as a Pullman porter. Some of you are old enough to remember Pullman porters were a prestigious job. These were the largest private employers of blacks in those days. So my dad got a job as a Pullman porter and was able to travel all over the country. Nobody in the South was able to travel all over the country. My dad came to L.A. one time and went, wow, it's sunny and warm, and people seem to be friendly. And so my dad made a mental note that maybe someday he might relocate to L.A. Pearl Harbor, my dad joins the Marines. Anybody know what the Monfort Point Marines are? These were the first black Marines. These were the equivalent of the Tuskegee Airmen. There were 20,000 of them from 1942 to 1949. My dad was one of them, and about three years ago, Congress gave them a congressional gold medal. My dad got his posthumously at... Uh, Camp Pendleton, Dana Rohrbacher, arranged for my dad to get it. So I got a gold medal for my dad. He became a staff sergeant, uh, was in charge of cooking facilities. 
The bombs fell, war's over, my dad goes back to Chattanooga where he had met and married my mom, and he went to restaurant, to restaurant, to restaurant to try to get a job as a cook given all his experience, and he was told time after time after time, we don't hire niggers. And my dad said, I've cooked for the military, we don't hire niggers. He goes to an unemployment office, he walks to the door, the lady sends him out, says he went to the wrong door. My dad goes out, sees colored only, goes through that door to the very same lady who sent him out. My dad went to home to my mom and said, this is BS. I'm going to Los Angeles, where people seem to be more, fra- more, more fair. So it's 1946, 47. Comes to LA, goes to restaurant, to restaurant, to restaurant, and he's told, I'm sorry, you don't have any references, which is the way they do it in LA. My dad said, I'll work for you for free if you just give me a reference. They wouldn't do that. My dad goes to an unemployment office, this time one door, walks in, Lady says, I've got nothing for you. My dad said, what time do you open? She said, 8.30. What time do you close? She said, 5.30. He said, I'll be sitting in that chair at 8.30. I'll be there until 5.30 until you find something. My dad sat in that chair for a day and a half. She calls him up. I got something. I doubt that you want it. My dad says, I'm sure I want it. What is it? She said, it's a job at Nabisco Breads cleaning toilets. My dad said, of course I'll take it. He took that job for 10 years, took a second job with Barbara and Bread for 10 years, also cleaning toilets, cooked for a family on the weekend, and went to night school two to three times a week to get his GED. The man averaged about four hours of sleep a night. That's why he was so mad all the time. Can you imagine how you feel when you don't get good sleep? Decade after decade doing that, that's why he was cranky. And my dad then stayed his nickels and dimes, started a cafe called Elder Snack Bar, 1230 South Valencia, Taste the difference. And he ran that until his 80s. Was able to buy that piece of property, the one next door to it, and also the home where my mom and my dad lived. And my dad always told my brothers and me this. Hard work wins. You get out of life what you put into it. You can't control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you get mad at somebody else for what you think they've done to you, go to the nearest mirror, look into it, and say, what could I do to change the outcome? And he also said, no matter how good you are, no matter how hard you work, sooner or later, bad things are going to happen. How you respond to those bad things will tell your mom and me whether or not we raised a man. And that's me. And that's what I, what I believe, and that's how I've always lived my life. That was Larry Elder. His website is LarryElder.com. You can watch today's entire one-hour talk on YouTube. It is called Larry Elder on hating and reconciling with his father. All right, my friend, hope you enjoyed this week's talks. Please leave a rating, a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify to keep the show ad-free. Really appreciate it. Also follow me on the Instagram at Sean Croxton. Have a marvelous weekend. I will see you on Monday. We're out. Peace. Peace.